scripture this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, and it's going to be 1 through 21. If you would read it with me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think more with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members are the same function. So we, who are many, are the one body of Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with the with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Know if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Such a blessing to be here with you this morning. I'm always humbled at the opportunity. Thank you for your confidence in me. As I reflected when Reverend Lisa asked me to, to do this day, to, to fill in this day uh, weeks ago, because she was well prepared, I realized, you know, what, what are the things that are important to us and what's going on right now? What comes to my mind in regards to in relevance to the world today is where is the relevance of Christianity today? What's, what's our place in the modern world? What, what should we do and where should we be? And it comes to mind that there are things about this world that we don't really like where our world is going. One of the more ex interesting experiences in my life was the summer uh, that I worked for Brother Solly. I dare say the day that I shoveled a, a full ton of corn in, out of the corn crib, I was the only graduate history student in the world that did that that day. And so I had some, some great experiences. A uh, very uh, fun employer. But in discussions with him, I, I realized that times were different when he was in ministry. He spent 65 years in ministry, for those of you that don't know him, did not know him. But in his heyday, people were receptive. People were, were willing to listen. There was an excitement about Christianity. They would have revivals. And, and there were hundreds saved there. And, and to be a part of that must have been an extraordinary experience. 
So we seem nowadays that maybe there's not as much exuberance. Uh, uh, perhaps. I think in places in the world there is. But where should we be in all this? And there are elements to be taken out of Romans for this. So first, as it tells us in verse 1 through 3, we are not to conform. Doesn't mean that we have to be the stereotypical, you know, non-Christian, stereotypical Christian. Doesn't mean that we have to live in the in a cave, live as a hermit. We don't have to come out on Sunday mornings, show up, and uh, you know, and run off and hide again. That's not what we're supposed to be about. We're not supposed to separate ourselves from the world. It is impossible. You live in the most marketed to society and history, and it is all around you, the influences. But it is what you do with it and how you process it that is the mark of a Christian. And we, we deal with persecution on different extremes. You know, sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's uh, weird. Sometimes it's uh, undesirable because that's how they perceive us, undesirable sometimes. They don't want to see the Christian coming around because the Christian makes them feel uncomfortable. And so that doesn't mean that we should change. It's not a, a judgmental thing to live the right way. It just means that this is the proper example that we should set. We are exposed to elements, but again, we don't absorb it. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. doesn't mean that we don't have moments where we drift away. doesn't mean that we don't have hours or years that we drift away. But we must work ourselves back towards the light. We must live in the image that Christ has set for us. We are drawn naturally to, to the light. And the Bible refers to the light often. And not the darkness. And we should do that at every encounter. I think it's instinctive to be drawn to the light. I can remember as a child... Um, I had a playground like none other. So most of y'all realize where my mother's property was and it bumped up next to the, the uh, heirs of the uh, Crosby's property. And I don't think that they really cared that a kid went, uh, went wandering through their forest often. So there was over a thousand acres of playground there for me. And so I remember once as a kid, the, uh, a cow got out. So we went at night, me and daddy, and daddy with his old lantern. And we went after that cow. And I can remember how I was drawn to the light walking behind him. And how we are naturally drawn to the light. And Christ draws us like that. Christ draws us to the light. And we are to seek the light. We are to live in his image. And never lose sight of the light. We do it in different ways. In verse 3 through 8, we are taught that we have uh, certain skills. Uh, students ask me often, who is, uh, who's the best president? And that's a loaded question. But I can tell you my favorite was Theodore Roosevelt. And he had so many quotable things, and he had so many interesting uh, facts about him, so many, uh, he was by far the most interesting person that ever became president. And he used to say often, do what you can with what you have, where you at. And that's revert, reflected in verse 3 through 8. Too often we we try to compare ourselves. We wish for skills that we do not have and will not possess. 
but God will give us the certain abilities that we need and the skill sets that are necessary for us to be able to achieve His will. Abilities based on need. Remember Moses spoke with a speech impediment. Remember everyone has challenges. You overcome that, God gives us the opportunities to overcome that because He's going to give us what we need. He's going to get us through it and going to give us what we need to be able to, again, achieve His goals. God compels us to use these skills to help our fellow man. There's no doubt from it. We are to use this to resist evil, fear, injustices, wherever they arise. Not simply just supposed to watch what's going on in the world and not be concerned about it. We should be concerned about it. We are supposed to be active. We're supposed to be in the world, again, not of the world, and we are supposed to do things that achieve justice. To think that we're powerless is wrong. Indifference to evil is evil. And if we truly love our neighbor, we should be concerned with injustices and immorality in the world. This is what doing to others is all about. And God's going to help us. God's not going to move that mountain for us, but he's going to show us how to buy a show. And he's going to help us get that show busy. And we will get it done. But we have to get busy about it ourselves. He expects us to do that. Psalm 12 reads, Because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them who malign them, and the words of the Lord are flawless. God will help us. God is concerned. We should be concerned. We should love what is good. Verses 9 through 16 teaches us, I believe, fully that the Lord loves righteousness and He loves justice, as it says in Psalms 11. I believe with my whole heart God is a God of justice. In Scriptures, in verse 9, it tell us, tells us, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love is what we are. Love is a true mark of a Christian. And it's routinely preached. But by having true love, it gives us sympathy and empathy and not a judgmental perspective. Sympathy, let's let us remember, it's Greek. It means I suffer with you, I understand. Therefore, if we truly love, shouldn't we speak for the oppressed, the defenseless, the downtrodden, and the outcast? This might find you, by doing this, in uncomfortable circles of people with uncomfortable opinions of you. Do it anyway. Let us not be diminished. Let us be reminded that Jesus spent most of his time with the downtrodden, with the oppressed, with the outcast in society. That's where we should be. We are to seek justice for these people, anywhere and everywhere. And wherever evil is, we are to speak up, and we are to help, and we are to assist. Martin Luther King reminded us that you know, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So seek justice, seek fairness, seek equality, seek dignity for everyone. Otherwise, it diminishes 
our and reduces our efforts to achieve the Great Commission, as we are told to in Matthew 28, 16-20. Because no one will take us serious if we don't have love. We are not to seek vengeance. Verses 17-20 through 20 tells us this is for God to sort out. We're not to be vindictive, not to try to make things even. Two wrongs don't make a right. Even if things have been committed against us, we're not to. There's no real way to do this, no real way to get even, and so we shouldn't even go there. But, as most versions of the Bible phrase it, we are never to avenge ourselves. But that doesn't mean, and we shouldn't confuse that with the fact that we should protect others from evil. We shouldn't speak up against evil. It is our responsibility to call evil out when it is being practiced, not to be silent. When darkness falls on our community, our nation, our world, we're not to be silent. Psalm 82 begs God to defend the weak and the fatherless, to uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. You can't run from that. And the problems that we have with poverty and so forth, in fact, the plight of the poor, I mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible, it is a priority. We should be concerned about them. So we should speak up, and this, and we should act, and we should seek justice. Verse 21 is a hard one. Teaches us to destroy evil with good. And that ain't easy, as we well know. It's hard to do good things for people who have done bad. But it works that way. It works that way because it's an act of forgiveness. And we're supposed to practice forgiveness. It's a hallmark of being a Christian. Testify to the world how to handle those kinds of situations. How to diffuse the situation. Let God handle it for us because it will happen in His due time. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was giving a speech and it was the height of the Civil War and he made a statement and he referred to Southerners as fellow human beings who were in error. After the speech was over, an elderly lady pulled him aside, chastised his thing, and said, you know, you were supposed to refer to these people as uh, evil. You were supposed to refer to these people as uh, irreconcilable enemies that should be destroyed. And Lincoln says, well, don't I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And so doing good for others at a time that's hard to do will diffuse the situation. It will end it and it will teach the world as well as them. And it will give them an opportunity to change themselves. It will give them an opportunity to wake up and realize, uh, this is wrong. Eugene Peterson's version of this in the message says, if you will see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. And this act of forgiveness and this way to live is the only way for us Christians to live. It's the marks of a Christian. And we will be known by how we live our lives and the examples that we set. And it is our responsibility to be truthful to the world and be focused 
person. Amen. Amen. Amen.